Justin Angle in studio with uh, me, the business angle, coming up. But first, speaking of tickets, we got free tickets for you, specifically four of them to Wednesday night's Missoula Battleheads game against the Billings Mustangs. First pitch, 7 o'clock. Call right now. Call number 2-406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call number 2. We got four tickets for you to the Paddleheads versus the Mustangs uh, on Wednesday evening down there at uh, Allegiance Field at Ogren Park. Uh, Paddleheads keep on rolling, and uh, we'll have tickets for you throughout the rest of the summer. If you ever can't make it down to the park, we'll have the games for you live on ESPN Radio pretty much every evening uh, all summer long uh, as well. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, jam-packed. Kyle Mahelish, the head coach of Helena Capital, joined us, as did Corbin Walker, a junior corner for the University of Montana football team. We also heard from Garrett Middleton from the uh, Bitterroot Celtic Games and Gathering, and we had our Treasure State Stars as well, all of it on the Nuanas Now podcast Proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where their auger is all the time, and the uh, MSU Bookstore. Tons to talk about here on the business angle. But, I mean, the, the most obvious is what everybody across the country is talking about. We've been projecting and speculating about this conference realignment, but, man, did it ever hit the fan. I mean, you're talking like, boom, bam, thank you, ma'am. The Pac-12 was done basically in the span of a weekend. Well, I mean, you could kind of see it coming as far as like the, 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 the musical chairs. I mean, first you had UCLA and USC leaving, right? And, and those are representatives of the largest media market in the conference, right? And then we've talked about it. Like, what else does a conference have now that they represent nothing but a financial arrangement? Right. They don't represent geography. They don't represent um, sort of shared vision about how higher education can be done, some shared value system, um, some shared size. Uh, they, they represent nothing other than a transaction or a contract. Right. And so it comes down to what's the most advantageous contract for a university. And, you know, it's sort of silly in some ways that Stanford and Cal will be part of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Right. Um, if that actually comes through. If that comes through, yeah. and then it's a question of like, well, you know, you don't want to be the last institution standing. So if you're Washington and Oregon, you, you, you can't afford to stick around and, and wait and see what happens because all you're going to be doing is playing, <laughs> playing with each other. Um, and maybe Oregon State and Washington State, but that's not much of a conference. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, you could sort of see it coming, and change happens really slowly, then all of a sudden, and here we go, no more Pac-12. I would have loved to have been in on the the negotiations. The reason the timing was right now is that the Pac-12 was trying to salvage what they could. They had this proposed TV deal with Apple TV, but uh, as both the Washington and Oregon presidents said, it was only a two-year deal with a clause for an out for anybody that signed it. They both were like, well... Any deal that is only two years with an automatic out, what's wrong with it? Why would we want to do that? And then that just automatically parlayed them into boom, Big Ten, and then everybody else follows suit, the dominoes fall. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of kind of the evidence of pressure on the streaming model. Yeah, right. right. You know, with Disney Plus and you know Netflix, that's another story. We they have some insulation against um, the other risk factors in the streaming model, but the streaming model is not as profitable, right? This this what's happening broadly. A lot of the issues we're talking about are attributable to you know the decline of the cable bundle and cord cutting, and so yeah, one might say Apple as a cash factory can 
afford to you know support a media deal in, in what was going to be the Pac-12. But there's pressure on that model, and, and Apple, in order to maintain its share price and to grow its share price, has to keep margin on its products. Um, going in for more than two years, seem, if, you know, if I were negotiating for Apple, I would think that would probably be a risky proposition given right. the pressure we're seeing on that line of the business. And ultimately, like, are they the skill set it takes to produce incredible pro, uh, technology products? Is that the same? And Apple prides itself on a flawless customer experience. I mean, right. it's kind of the end-to-end quality of the customer experience is what they built their brand around. So do they have the skills to develop that in the production of a live sporting event? And do they have enough control over the variables? Right. It's one thing that Apple does really well is they control a lot of the variables, mm-hmm. right? It's a mm-hmm. closed system. Like you can't do on the iPhone what you can do on an Android. You can't modify your 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 laptop PC the way you can. Uh, um, I mean, you can't uh, uh, customize a Mac the way you can a right. PC. Right. And there's so much uncertainty in a live sporting event that it just might not comport to what Apple's all about. The business angle, the overlay between business and sports. Justin Angle joining us in the studio here on Nuanas Now on uh, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Now, I, I get the, the guaranteed TV money that exists and why uh, schools like Washington and Oregon, for example, are two of, I believe as the last time I checked this, 19 schools that produce $95 million or more in athletic department revenue slash football revenue. That's sure to increase now with what's the what the likelihood of the, the, the dollars attached to the Big Ten TV deal that all of the teams will will share. I want you to analyze this from a business perspective, though, for me. To me, this seems like a terrible decision in terms of the brand because the brand seems now so muddled. How, how do you sort of have brand alignment when you're talking about Rutgers and Penn State in the same league as Washington? But then how much does just the money just overwhelm all that and then the, maybe the brand uh, sort of uh, solidarity doesn't matter? Well, what is brand in yeah, this right, context? Right. Are you talking about the brand of the academic institution? I guess the brand of the league doesn't really matter. There I guess. is no brand. Yeah, right. 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 It's not <laughs> <laughs> There's no brand. It's a contract. So the only brand is the broadcaster. So this could all roll up so into true. Wow, the, I never thought of it like the that. For, the Fox Sports Conference and the ESPN Conference yep. and the you know maybe it's Apple Plus, maybe it's Amazon, whatever the other, right. whatever the you know who's paying the bill sure. is. That's the conference. It comes down to who's signing the contract. Wow, I didn't think of it like that. But the brand, you're right. The brand is who's broadcasting it because now sort of the the identity of what the conferences we used to know. It's gone. It's gone. Totally gone. Man, the other thing I was thinking about is the cost-benefit analysis of this when it the football is what's driving this almost exclusively and they're going to make so much money off of it. I don't know how much consideration if any was given to the fact that you know, for example, like the women's volleyball teams now are going to have to go on sometimes 3,000-mile sure. cross-country yeah, trips. Seattle to Rutgers. Right. You know, Eugene to, to College Park, Maryland. I mm-hmm. mean, these are across the entire United States, and they don't just play one time. It's not just once a week. You'll play two or three matches. Yeah, and then how do you have a conference tournament? I mean, I think uh, what may ultimately happen here is football becomes its own thing. Right. right? I mean, we've seen its championship come under conflict with how the NCAA tries to run it. Yep. Like all, Football will separate itself. 
and and operate by its own rules. Because not only is it absurd for like the women's volleyball team at the University of Washington to travel to Rutgers and vice versa, that's also an expensive proposition. For so sure, you've got all these other sports that are already you know cost centers at a university. Yep. You've got football subsidizing all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were an athletic director and you could separate out your, you know, you could minimize costs in one sport and maximize revenue in another, I mean, why not do that? Especially when a conference in football stands for nothing other than a financial arrangement, whereas in, in the other sports, it might still stand for something. There might be some geographic pride. Right. There might be some commonality between the institutions, same form of education, same class of academia, who knows what, there might be things that bond those things together in a way that's that's worth sustaining and cheaper for the university in general. That's why if I'm Stanford, I'm just going independent. Could be. I, they offer 32 varsity sports. Yeah. They have basically planted a flag in the sand and said, we are going to be the one that's not chasing this money. Yeah. Do the Notre Dame play. Exactly. And I think that for most of their varsity sports, it would be way more advantageous to just stay on the West Coast, you know, have your, your soccer teams play the other California soccer teams. Yeah, and they're a bit of a unicorn academically on That's the West true Coast too. as well. They're of the size that they can, can compete in the major sports, but they have a, a broad enough athletic offering that they compete in all the other sports. Yet they're uh, a high caliber enough academic institution that they're they're... Yeah, you know, they they stand for excellence, and they have a brand that can transcend all this other madness. I've seen all sorts of speculation on how the conference or the the teams, the programs out west are going to reallocate. I do think that you can. There is a world where you could see Washington State and Oregon State rallying with the you know the Fresno states and Boise states of the world. I can almost guarantee you that Stanford will not be in the same conference as Boise State. Their president will not allow that to happen. Why would you? Why would you associate your brand with that brand? Right. Nothing against Boise State necessarily, but they're not Stanford. They're not Stanford. That's exactly right. And and Stanford and Cal were the ones that sort of spearheaded what was the the reputation of the Pac-12. That's the other part. I mean, you're an academic. You're a guy that works at the University of Montana. The Pac-12 did as good a job as far as making the universities sort of like. You can say, oh, well, Arizona State's just a party school. They're also a high-research institution sure. that's producing, you know, multiple tens of millions of dollars worth of studies that are benefiting society at large. All It used to be like when the Pac-12 first expanded from the Pac-10 to the Pac-12, mm-hmm. or I guess the Pac-8 to the 10, then the 10 to the 12, the number one requirement for all the existing presidents was academic prestige. Now that's completely been flushed down the toilet. Yeah, there was academic prestige and there was some geographical tie and they could rally around that geographical tie and cry West Coast bias and all these sorts of things. So there were there were other elements that created ties between these institutions. And again, those ties are those other elements are now gone. So these relationships will be because they're only denominated in dollars, they will be inherently more fragile. And there will be more moving around. Um, unless the institutions that are paying the bill, i.e. ESPN and Fox Sports, can somehow create some branding that is enduring and can capture these schools in a more consistent way. We'll have to see how that plays out. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. It's the business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. On the ESPN note, uh, ESPN Today announced the launching of ESPN Bet. 
It's a new agreement with Penn Entertainment. Penn Entertainment is an extension of the uh, the Dave Portnoy uh, empire. Dave Portnoy, infamously, the founder of Barstool Sports, and then sort of lost that, but then has this new thing. Regardless, I think that this is also, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what we're seeing yep. with college football. I'm wondering if ESPN, the layoffs, and then this launch sort of point in a new direction of where ESPN National might be going. My first thought was, I wonder if they think they can't outbid the Amazons and Apples and Foxes of the world when it comes to broadcasting live events, especially college football. So maybe they reallot resources and go all in on the sports gambling game. Seems like uh, tenuous at best. Well, maybe. I think the the reality of cable cutting is kind of coming home to roost at ESPN. It, it was the cash engine for Disney yep. for many, many years. Now it's being talked of, talked about as a cost center for right. Disney and, and something that maybe needs to be spun off right. and found a new home. And you've got these high-profile layoffs. And if that for that business to persist, particularly in the Disney space, yeah, they have to, they have to get back to profitability. They have to get their revenue up and they have to get their margin up. And a way to do that in a world where, you know, the, the, the cable revenue profit margin is gone or declining, um, they have to build it elsewhere, right? And, and gambling seems like an obvious place. And, you know, they're, the, the, they have this ability because they hold the keys to the entity on which people are betting. They right. kind of control access to it. Right. And so they can vertically integrate with a gambling platform or gambling product offering such that they have an inherent advantage in creating a, a seamless customer experience. Watch the game, bet on the game, bet on the game as you're watching it within an app. It, 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 you, know, you think about the the dimensions and the gamification that could take place here. And, and it, it's, it's pretty mind boggling. What are the, I haven't, this this just happened this afternoon. I just saw this on Darren Ravel's Twitter page right before uh, Justin arrived in the studio. So I haven't really thought about this deeply yet. So maybe I'll have some more thoughts about it a little later on, but what are just the th- first things that come to your mind in terms of side effects or fallout from this? It does seem like that would, it's pretty crazy to be able to have the broadcast rights for a sport and also control the betting action on that sport. Well, I mean, that's a big question. How long's your show? <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Right? I mean, we want to get to the most obvious is, are we witnessing something akin to what uh, we witnessed in the early 2000 aughts with social media. Mm. They were pouring all this money into and all these resources and thinking that this this connecting of people across platforms is is doing all this great for information flow and and, and friendship and so forth. And now we're seeing that the, the chickens come home to roost with teenage depression, suicide, anxiety, all these sorts of societal problems that I think we will find are attributable to social media. Right. Right. Now, are we doing the same thing with gambling? Right. Gambling is a known risk behavior. For sure. Right. There are people addicted to gambling. No question. It's a large societal problem. And if we're promoting more of that risky behavior uh, and not putting any guardrails around it, uh, you know, I think there's huge potential for giant problems in society. So that's one piece. The other ramifications for the integrity of sport are, are profound as well. When you get the the gambling institution closer and closer and closer to the, 
the field of competition, you in- incentivize all kinds of um, bad behaviors in many ways. And, and, and maybe it's possible to manage it. And maybe having it all out in the open and under the regulation of a publicly traded company that's subject to public audit and so forth, maybe that will create more uh, transparent systems, but it's got a lot of risk and it's unclear to me that it can or will be done, done right or well. That's been the biggest argument for people that are proponents of sports gambling is that Get it all out in the open. You have more regulations on it. It's going to exist either way. And uh, it existing in its previous form where it's only in Vegas, Atlantic City, or organized crime, probably not the best way to go about it. So that's the argument is that you get it out there and then all of a sudden you can't regulate it. But I, I still, I, I totally agree with you. I don't know if it if that mitigates just the influence it has just on the way that we perceive sports. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you could draw parallels with um, you know, cannabis industry. Right. You know, you go from uh, locking up a generation of largely minority uh, folks, young minority folks for possessing cannabis to completely legalizing it. And go to the store right across the street and just buy it. Corner. Yeah. yeah. Um, Clearly, to me, there seems like some middle ground is sensible. <laughs> right. Right. If you if you throw it totally open to a market mechanism, you're going to have gambling dominate so many aspects of sports because people like to do it. It's fun. It's rewarding. And it's addictive. And um, you put no guardrails on it, and, and you're going to have problems. And if And if the product is entertainment that is based on some level of uncertainty... If you remove that level of uncertainty, the value of the entertainment goes way down. What is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, The Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Angle in studio with us. Uh, I've been talking about this for a couple weeks. This is the Mm. power issue, the most influential uh, figures in sports. And the man who's on the cover of this year's power issue is Jake Paul. That in itself, I think, is such a, a sign of the times. Because Jake Paul is, he's an athlete, but he's a self-created athlete. He's a promotional machine. He's an athlete like me and you are an athlete, though. He's not a, I, I don't know. He, this whole he, thing he's is. He's got better tattoos. Well, for sure. This whole thing is crazy to me, but I also think it yeah. sums up America in its current iteration mm-hmm. in a nutshell. For those that don't know, Jake Paul and his brother basically started a YouTube channel. They acted like frat boy bros on the YouTube channel for years and just made Videos that uh, were either funny or influential or just them having great parties or, you know, doing dumb stuff, whatever. But they made like, they made YouTube videos, I think like 850 days in a row. Yeah. They got like 20 billion YouTube uh, streams. And then all of a sudden they have this power to do pretty much anything. And Jake Paul decides what he's going to do with his power. He's going to start his own boxing promotion and start boxing against either washed up boxers or fighters that don't box. Yet he's the most powerful man in boxing, and some people think he's actually saving boxing in America. Right. My mind is blown by this. I, I ordered the Jake Paul fight on Saturday night because I, I had been talking about it, and I was like, you know what? Because when he first came out, I said, this guy's getting whipped. He's going to get whipped by everybody. Sure. He's get, and they didn't. You know, he went 6-1 and one in his first seven fights. Again, most of the people he's fighting aren't boxers. Still, though, I just had to see it for myself. The whole time I was watching him fight Nate Diaz on Saturday night, I was thinking, one, what a brilliant businessman this guy is. 
Two, how big of a sign of times this was. And three, if you actually fought Nate Diaz in a UFC fight, then Nate Diaz would absolutely choke him out in about 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but Jake Paul won the fight again. What do we think of this this crazy phenomenon? It's it's a little difficult to get your head around. It is. Um, this media environment we live in, basically there are so many more ways to get to a viewer. Right. Apps, and in their pockets. Well, yeah, and have influence, right? Right, right. And the money is flowing into the advertising money is flowing into those markets at an incredible rate. And I sort of see this as like there's this we've talked a lot in this segment about how the streaming model has kind of increased cord cutting and the implications of that. Right. What we're seeing now is the influencer, YouTuber, TikTok model pressuring the streaming model. If you think of Netflix, and I don't have these numbers top of mind, but Netflix or Disney Plus or some of these other streamers, like they're putting out some incredibly high quality, well-produced content. Like Succession was a show on HBO Max or whatever it's called now that just had a a giant budget, ton of production value. Its its societal impact exceeded its ratings. If people want to watch TikTok more than they want to watch Succession, how much does TikTok pay for its content generation? Pretty close to zero. Right. Right? How much does YouTube pay Jake Paul only a fraction of the the the, right. the the advertising that content generates. So these 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 entities, whether it's TikTok or YouTube or whoever, they're realizing that like there are people out there that kind of want to monetize their own talent and need way less infrastructure to do that, and the margins are way better. That's where the money's going to flow. And you're seeing it, I think, Jake Paul, I think that's a way of understanding what's happening with Jake Paul. And if you believe in yourself and you believe in whatever it is that you are doing in your performance on these platforms, that seems to be all that matters. Jake Paul was was significantly famous and influential before he ever did anything in a boxing ring. And then he can sort of self-create this own image as a boxer because he manipulates the whole situation. And now he's making more money than guys that are real boxers that have boxed their entire lives and worked so hard to get to that point. It really is crazy the impact it's having on the sport itself as well. But if you think about it across an entire marketplace of entertainment, right, it's going to concentrate wealth and power in the hands of a smaller and smaller number of people. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. I don't want to necessarily make a, a comment on that. But consu- it's a world also with very low switching costs. Mm-hmm. So I can switch from... It's hard for me to switch from having... You know, if, if, I, if I used to get ESPN on cable... Right. And I need to, I want to get it somewhere else. It's it's really hard to do. It's hard to switch. Now right. it's a little easier because I can go to streamers. Sure. But if I want to switch from Jake Paul to some other influencer, it's like two clicks of a button. Right. And so easy come, easy go. Right. Right. Like power can accrue to a guy like Jake Paul rapidly. Right. But he can also disappear overnight. Well, and that's the other thing from a societal perspective. That's the American condition in a nutshell where. We build you up into this massive star that could never fulfill our expectations, and then we tear you down. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) This power issue, I do find it interesting, too, the way that it's sort of divided right down the middle. 
some of the most powerful people in sports that are noted in here are also the most talented and successful. Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Kylian Mbappe, the, the great French soccer player, Stephen Curry, uh, Shohei Otani, Tiger Woods, Lionel Messi, all certainly uh, worthy of their power based on the merit of their accomplishments right. in the traditional in sense of power and sport. Right. But they, they earned it by being the best at their sport and being global icons because of winning. But then you have other people like Jake Paul, mm-hmm. like Naomi Osaka. I mean, I, I didn't realize this until I read this. Naomi Osaka was the highest paid female athlete in the world the last three years. She hasn't wow. won a tournament since the 2021 Australian Open. Wow. That's almost three years ago. Yeah. Her first win gave her the status is the highest paid female athlete on the planet and it's so much because of her influence rather than her actual performance well, it's that's more than her first win it's her, her other actions right, right right standing up to the media telling a positive story of yep. personal empowerment yep. it's a story that people want to buy into and it kind of transcended the sport and i think that's the point right it's yep. like there is a traditional path to power in sport and that is performance on the field and then you know the the the, the athlete that can transcend a la michael jordan is kind of the the prototypical one but now you've got athletes that kind of, and Jake Paul is like the logical extension of that. Like right. not even a, an athlete being named as one of the most powerful athletes in the world um, because it's not about athletic performance. It's about people being interested in your story and your brand. Yep. And then, you know, then there's the other part of it with Naomi Osaka as well. What what she looks like, what her, sure. her, her uh, background is, where she comes from, what, what her racial background is. All of those things go into then her being this global icon. And I'm not taking anything away from her. I think the young lady deserves all that she's going to get, especially sure. because the talent has been, or the, the talent and the exposure has been steeped upon her more than her going out and grabbing it. I don't. I don't actually think that there's that much. Uh, there's a certain parallel between the Paul brothers and Naomi Osaka, but the Paul brothers created themselves, whereas like we created the phenomenon that is Naomi Osaka. Uh, I mean, I think we created all of it. Right. 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 right? Like w- we chose to pay attention to certain things. We chose to support uh, certain people with our eyeballs and our dollars. And that leads to where the money flows. Yeah, it is wild. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the uh, ESPN MT app. The business angle with Justin Angle. Uh, Last thing for you, uh, just quickly, Simone Biles is back. She is certainly one of the most marketable female athletes in the the world. And talk about being that status because you are the greatest of all time in your sport. Her vault yesterday was crazy. If you want to watch it, go look at it on YouTube. It's seven seconds long, but uh, she does about 14 flips on this thing. (laughs) Uh, But her return could be huge. I mean, I I think that she, especially given the the loss of the United States national team, she could become sort of this darling again. And uh, it's very rare that we see somebody reemerge back to superstardom, but she certainly has the juice to do it, I think. Yeah, having the longevity in gymnastics is kind of crazy. but if it's possible, it's a, it's an incredible story. And, you know, just based on that vault, like she appears to have the, the, the athletic juice still to go. So if she can compete at that level, it's people are going to tune in and pay attention and it could be a great story. The Business Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business.